Hi, welcome back. This is Barcy, and it is still gratitude season. And the reason I focus on gratitude every year is not just to be grateful because it's a, a nice thing to do or because we want others in our life to feel appreciated by us, which are all really wonderful things. But I'm talking about something a bit deeper than that. When we really drop into the essence and vibration of what gratitude is, it can become the key to unlocking our abundance. When we have a practice that uses tools to bring us into the realization of all that we've already created for our current selves, and when we start to give ourselves credit for what we've already brought in, we can start to tap into that frequency of creating the next level we want. When we start to feel the essence of the new thing we want in our existing world that we have already created, then we unlock a power in us to do it again, but perhaps on an even bigger scale because we want to grow, right? So today's episode is about money. It's called The Money Mindset That Will Shift Your Abundance with Dr. Amanda Barrientes. And what we focus on a lot in this one is our relationship with money. So it's different for everyone, but if you exist, then you do have a relationship with money, even if you may not know much about your relationship or how you really feel about these things yet. But once you begin to ask the questions about your relationship with money, then you can start the process. You can start the process of letting go of the blocks that you'll discover that you maybe didn't even realize were there and that are probably working against you in the background. So spending time with your money relationship is one of the most fundamental things I think everyone needs to experience or work through. And if you're wanting to change the outcome you're experiencing, then I highly recommend taking a look at your money relationship. I actually recommend that everyone do this and to keep checking in on your relationship so that you can continue to grow it. And if you're not sure where to begin your journey after listening to this episode, how to start your process, then the program that I created for you called the gratitude bundle is really the easiest way to start to tap into the energy and practice of bringing in more and connecting with your inner knowing that is going to be key. So just the way I built it is, is if you're just experiencing the course, if you're just going through the weeks that I've prepared for you, then you are going to learn a set of tools that you can keep working with to create more shifts in your life. And of course it is 70% off right now for the holiday season. So there's a link in the show notes to join. I will be there in the course group, just waiting for you to answer any questions that might come up along your journey with the course. And for now, here is my money conversation with Amanda Barrientes. One thing to do is even just ask yourself, what do I believe about money? Like start asking yourself and you can do this by writing down wealthy people are blank. And when you do that, you realize like, I've never thought of this before, you know, like I've never stopped to think or making money is blank. And what comes out of you, if you're honest with yourself and go like making money is hard is usually the first one. A lot of people say <laughs> making money is hard. Making money is scary. Making money is fun. It could be making money is easy. Who, who knows what it is for you, but you want to start playing with that and going, what do I actually believe about money? So question all of your beliefs and start digging into knowing yourself. And that's one of the first ways you can just start to do some self-discovery around your money beliefs. It all begins by understanding the mind. I want to be happy now. I don't care about the future. I want to be happy right now. You are not alone. You are never, ever, ever alone in this. It's helped my voice grow and given me freedom to be creative on my own. I'm Christina Barcy. Welcome to Be Bold Begin, a podcast dedicated to you, the creative, the healer, and the innovator. The topics and conversations we have here are designed to help you discover what might be getting in your way and offer you tools, techniques, and guidance to move through them. I live in the imposter's body more than I live in my own body. I don't have to feel like I don't deserve this. This is where creativity and healing intersect. If you decide to be bold and begin, you have the opportunity to feel humbled and empowered. I totally believe that. 
I'm a certified Kaizen Muse creativity coach, a certified Reiki energy healer, and an entrepreneur, artist, and presenter. I will share with you my experiences, my proven tools and techniques that helped me and my clients and loved ones shift and expand in the areas they most desired. This is a gentle and open space where you will hear how others are being bold to encourage you to begin your own journey or expand the one you're on. This is Be Bold Begin. Hi, welcome back to People Begin. This is Barcy, your host. And today we're going to talk about money again. This time we're going to hone in even more on how healing your relationship with money can start. And more specifically, we're talking to you, the creative entrepreneur who's listening, as well as those who might want to start and to start monetizing podcasting and those of you in wellness or healing services, because something we've noticed is that those of us who work in this way often share some strain around worth and value, which Anyone doing anything in this world might struggle with, but often we notice that when we want to monetize something we really love or something that's connected to spirituality or art, we can have a lot of guilt associated with that process. So my guest today is Dr. Amanda Barrientes. She's a money healer and the founder of No Fucking Around Money or NFA Money. And she's going to share with us how she went from food stamps to building a six-figure business fast and how she discovered what she now believes as the three main money blocks that keep all entrepreneurs from making the money they want to make and what those blocks are. So welcome, Amanda. Hey, Parsi. Thanks for having me on. I'm so excited to be here. I'm so excited to have you here. This is a topic that I think everyone is interested in. I don't know anyone who's not interested in making more money. <laughs> right? <laughs> it's so true. Yes. And, and the more I dive into this topic, the more I realize it has a lot more to do with just mindset and how we approach our other parts of our lives. So I'm, I'm really excited to dig in from all of those different angles with you. Yeah. This morning I was doing a video about this thing, like, why does money matter so much? Mm. And why do we get so stuck? And I was thinking about all of the shame and embarrassment and fear that people hold around money. Even if you make a lot, there's wealth shame. And then if you don't make a lot, there's embarrassment and you don't want to talk about it. And if you don't want to talk about it, then you can't get answers. It's a charged conversation. Yeah, that's a great way to frame that. It, it is charged and it is so emotional or it can be, I should say. It doesn't have to be, but it can yeah. be really emotional. Just to share briefly, like I'm in a position where I'm financially stable, in fact, making probably more money than I've ever made in my life with my business. I'm in scarcity mode for some reason. <laughs> like it doesn't make a lot of sense unless I dig in and try to figure out where that's coming from. It's just a funny observation. It's like, how and why is this happening? And I'm sure other people can relate to that in their own way. Oh, yeah, big time. It's interesting as entrepreneurs make more money, that happens often where all of a sudden you go, oh, I'm making more, there's more to lose. And what if it goes away? And what if I can't keep making it at this level? And it brings up a lot of fears. Yeah, I think being independent too, and having to worry about the how so much, like how it's going to come in. Yeah, is where my personal anxiety comes from. The first thing I can link into is that. Yeah. So I'm sure that's part of it. <laughs> yeah. We'll dive into all these things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wonderful. So <laughs> I do want to hear about your story because that is quite the statement to say that you went from food stamps to six figures fast. Fast is like the even more charged word in that. It's like, okay, how did you do that? So before we dive into the how so much, I would love to hear more about what you were doing before you kind of found this discovery and how to shift into that path. I don't like to perpetuate the story that there's such a thing as overnight success. And so that fast part, you know, I like to clarify it relatively fast, right? right. <laughs> it wasn't like, oh, overnight I was successful. It took a lot of twists and turns and deep inner work. And it's, you know, what I love to teach entrepreneurs and, and other creatives and other people how to do because everyone has the power to change their money reality pretty darn fast, like way faster mm -hmm. than you would think. For me, it 
all started when I was really it was when I was laying on the floor crying one night and I had this epiphany. So, you know, I was laying on the floor crying because I had left my 15 year marriage having an affair and then my next relationship wasn't working out. So I'm sitting on the basement floor and it's empty because he had moved all of his stuff out and I'm just crying and I'm going, oh my God, I don't know what I'm going to do. I had been looking in Craigslist for houses and I couldn't afford anything and I had three kids and I was in grad school. So I didn't have a huge opportunity to make more money easily and I didn't have credit cards and I didn't have any help. And so I thought, oh my God, I might be homeless. I don't know what I'm going to do. I was looking at like one bedroom studio apartments and I also was seeing this counselor who said, you know, you got to go on food stamps. And I just felt so much shame and embarrassment around it. And so I was on the floor crying this night and I sat up and I thought, I am the center of the problems. Like it's me. I got to do something different. And it led me to listening to podcasts, which is why I love podcasting podcasters. The whole thing around podcasts, I think it's incredible because it's this way that we can learn on the go. And I was super busy. You know, I had three kids and I would listen to the podcast on double speed while I was driving to school and carpooling or doing the dishes or any chance I got in between classes. And what I started hearing it was like all these light bulbs were going off, like, oh my God, there's answers out there. Like there are actually answers to these issues that I'm having. And I started to teach from a different perspective and things really started to change in my life. And then I noticed that all of the podcasters I was listening to were coach types. Mm -hmm. And I was like, hmm, there's something to this. And, you know, I always think about the way the world works in these magical ways simultaneously, we had this national news fallout in my department and professors were leaving and there was just so much stress. And I was thinking, I've been on track to become a professor and I don't want to do it. I don't want this job. It looks stressful. It doesn't pay very well. And I'm never going to even be able to pay off my student loans and I'm going to have to move my family. And so I decided I'm going to take the leap and build my business. When I graduated, I went, okay, I'm going all the way. And I just took the leap. And in that first year, I went six figures and it was a big year. And it was just such wow. an amazing, incredible feat that I never knew was possible for me until I did it. That's amazing. Thank you for sharing that starting point and kind of how you started to think about things differently. I love that podcasting is part of that story because it just really has an intimate effect as well, where there's real people on the other side of that that are not necessarily scripted. It's just people doing the work they do and having conversations about their lives. And that is super inspiring. So I just love that that's part of your story. Can you share with us what kind of professor you were on track to becoming? Yeah. So my PhD is in sociology. So I was teaching a lot of sex, gender, and society classes and also criminology. So my mix and my dissertation, I was doing life history interviews with incarcerated men who had spent on average 18 years in prison and had been gang involved. And it was their story of transformation and flipping the script and seeing the other side and seeing them as victims instead of perpetrators. I mean, the research itself was incredible. The way that you get to write about it and do it in academic world is very different than personal growth and development world. (laughs) That's so fascinating. I have to ask, was the work, because this was happening kind of at the same time. Yeah. Were they influencing your thoughts on how you were going to shift and then vice versa? Definitely. It was really powerful because what I noticed with these guys was that they had some of the absolute hardest lives you could ever even imagine. You know, I'd sit in there and I'd do four hour life history interviews with them. Wow. And so I got to know deeply what was going on with them. And I mean, they would cry and they'd share with me. They'd never told anybody any of these things before. And so it was really powerful. And as I was seeing them have this warrior, like awesome, incredible transformational mindset, I was like, you know, if someone in that position can have this mindset and get out of this victim mode in their mind and shift their reality, you know, they had to work really hard to get into this program that they were in that I was interviewing them in. And I thought, what is that? I want to know more about that. Like, what is that that causes people to have that big of a transformation? And so for me, that was huge in thinking about transformation and being in a victim space and then being able to come out of it. So it really informed my thinking. And yeah, it was incredible work. It was a really powerful process. Yes, that does sound extremely powerful, especially since you were finding them in this moment where they were starting to find their transformation. Mm hmm. To be at the crux of that must have been fascinating and also, like you said, powerful and influential for anyone involved, it sounds like. Yeah. Did you hone in onto what that thing was that allowed them to find that shift? Yeah. And it's similar for every single human being. Decision. 
I mean, it really comes down to decision. I've decided that I don't want to create this reality anymore and I've got to do something different. So, you know, my main NFA mantra is decide, commit, take action. And it's inspired by those guys and watching them and, you know, it's inspire, transform, empower. And it's decide, commit, take action. It's like, until you make a decision, you and I can have all the answers in the universe for somebody, but if they don't decide that they're ready to change, nothing's going to happen. And there's a lot of answers. And, you know, if you get on Google and type in any help you need, there are millions of responses. So it all comes from you being ready and deciding to do something different. So, and I really saw it that night when I was on the floor crying and I sat up and had that like, I got to do something different. I've got to do something different. And it was that powerful moment of decision. I didn't know what that meant and I didn't know where it would lead me, but I knew I was just going to start taking steps in the direction and that something would happen. And it did. Right. I was going to link it back to that moment too. It sounds like it was just, like you said, very aligned in the timing of everything that you were experiencing. And I like to call that inspired action. It's when we finally get inspired to take the action, but that inspiration has to come from something. And the how is what we figure out later, but it's true. Like one tiny step can be just the realization and the awareness that you have that control as an individual, all of us, any individual has that control. Yeah, that's the nucleus, I'll say of all of this, it sounds like is figuring out how to make that realization. Yeah, absolutely. I think we always want to overcomplicate it. (laughs) You're like, what's the magic formula? What's the magic pill? And it's like, of course, there's a lot of strategy that goes into building a business and all those things. But if you don't have the clarity of thought to go, I'm tired of the reality I have now, and I'm willing to do whatever it takes to shift, then it won't happen for you the way you want it to. And then it's Mm -hmm. equally as powerful because it can happen. Like when you really realize you're the creator of your reality and that your thoughts turn into things and your decisions are incredibly powerful and shaping your brain in the direction of tracking for opportunities. Once you get that, it's like you have a magic wand to create the world. The hard part is most people blame other people for their reality and they go, oh, it's, you know, it's COVID. It's my parents. It's, I was born into the wrong body. I, I mean, on and on and on my money, my partner, my kids, like whatever they want to blame my coworkers, my boss. And we just blame, 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 blame. And when you blame other people, you lose all of your power to change. Wow. That's a powerful statement. And it's true. Yeah. It's also like such a liberating thing to realize yes. the power does lie in you. That you have that control. So I can see how that could have so many faces. It can feel vulnerable. It can feel powerful. It can feel relieving, like yeah. all the things. Totally. Yeah. It's like the greatest gift and the biggest responsibility because <laughs> you go, oh, yeah. great. I'm the creator of my reality. Like, ooh, if I don't like what I'm seeing, then it's on me. And if you want the empowerment and that's not to blame people for bad things that have happened, you know, I always like to be conscious of that. It's like, okay, let's just decide today that you are in control and radical responsibility for whatever happens from today forward. You know, this isn't about going back over your past and beating yourself up because you're probably already beating yourself up, which is why you feel stuck. And so it's going, okay, today I can make a new decision and I can take one step in that direction. And then things start to, you know, that exponential growth where it starts to gain traction and momentum in a new direction. Right. And I want just to qualify that further, like, yes, circumstances we cannot control. Right. There are circumstances that happen in our lives that we can then make decisions around yeah. and choices around. So just to add to that part, definitely. So that said, speaking of creating your own world path reality, do you have to be an entrepreneur to do this kind of work? No, definitely not. <laughs> Every single person can benefit from doing this kind of work. I work and focus on entrepreneurs is just because it's, to me, it's a spiritual evolution path. Not that anything you take on is not. When you step into selling yourself in the world, it triggers a lot of stuff. And Mm -hmm. so it's a really powerful way to learn a lot about yourself and have pretty big growth edges. And then of course, you know, in terms of money, building your own business, you have unlimited potential to make as much money as you want and impact at the same time. Right. It makes sense for me as well as an entrepreneur, but you know, I know there's people in this audience that have day jobs and also have a side thing, right? Because that's what brings them their joy and their fulfillment. And then the day job is something they still also enjoy, but it's another part of them that they want to keep intact. Yeah. So I just want to be inclusive of that person too. It's like, how does it impact someone who's maybe works in corporate? Yeah. 
You know, I always look at human behavior as human behavior in all settings. And so part of the gift of all of the tools that I've learned and practice and teach is that it works for everything. You know, when I started doing this work, my relationships got better. My money got better. My relationship to my kids got better. My friendships changed. Like everything changed. When you learn tools to become more masterful of yourself and love yourself more and develop confidence, it affects every area of your life. And it doesn't matter whether you're an entrepreneur or, you know, a trust funder or whatever you are, a corporate CEO or working for $5 an hour at some other job, you know, these tools will help you no matter what. That's comforting to know. And I agree. I think it's the nice healing money is like a great entry point to all of the other things in our lives. And it's, it's a part that a lot of us have pain around. So it's a great place to start is kind of how I see it. So let's talk about the tools a little bit. You mentioned in your story, in your bio, I think I maybe found it on your website. I can't remember, but you talk about how you figured out that there are three main blocks. I actually took your quiz, which was fun. It's, and then when I saw the scarcity thing, I was like, oh my God, that's true. There are things about it that are true for sure. And it comes and goes for me. But can you yeah. just walk us through how you figured that out? Like, what did you do to discover that? And what are they? Yeah. Yeah. First, I want to say before we go into that, you will always run into these time and time again in different and new ways. And so when you said, you know, it's, it's kind of like comes in waves. Yeah. I've had people ask me a lot, you know, do you get rid of your money blocks? Never. They don't ever go away because you're always going to be growing into new versions of yourself. And at a new version of yourself, you're going to meet a new block that you didn't see before. And so yeah. these come up again and again, which is also what I like about, you know, what I teach and the tools and, and learning about money blocks is you go, oh, here it is again, or oh, here it is in a different version at a different point in my life and you just keep working with it and you keep practicing. Money mindset mastery or mindset mastery in any version is like a building a muscle. You know, you don't go to the gym one day and go, I'm going to lift a hundred pounds 10 times and then my biceps are going to look amazing and I'm going to be super healthy. Instead, you go every day and you create a habit out of it. And so mindset mastery is exactly the same. So with the money blocks profile, what I did was I, I worked with a lot of different types of entrepreneurs that were in very different types of businesses. It was men and women. It was sometimes couples, families that, you know, had teams together and, you know, different places in the world. And I saw the same patterns over and over and over again. And I thought, huh, you know, as a sociologist, that, that was one huge benefit of grad school is I learned how to look for patterns in my dissertation research. And so in my business where I was like, there's a pattern here going on. I keep hearing the same thing over and over and over again and seeing the same thing and the same stuck points over and over again. And so part of this came up because I had all of the people I worked with write their money story. So I'd walk them through the process of writing their money story. And in that process and in my work with them, I just kept seeing money block, money block, money block, same type of money blocks. So there, of course, the unique history and experiences are different, but the blocks mm -hmm. that they created were very similar. And mm -hmm. so in doing that, I came up with this term called competing commitments. And what that means is that your unconscious and your conscious self is battling against itself. So there's these unconscious thoughts, decisions, and actions that you have, and there's conscious thoughts, decisions decisions and actions and they battle. And so an example of this would be to go, oh, I want to save $30,000 this year. And it's my dream to start being financially free. But then you see yourself spending a whole bunch of money on things that you know, aren't getting you to move that mark in the savings account higher. And you know, in a business example, it'd be people saying, I want to build a six figure business, but then they go on Facebook and they spend six hours, you know, goofing off on Facebook, just going down the wormhole instead of doing anything to promote themselves in their business. Mm -hmm. And I kept going like, what is this here? And it's those unconscious belief systems that were blocking them. And I kept seeing the pattern of these money blocks and money blocks are just, it's competing commitments, but money version of competing commitments. And so I started to see the three patterns over and over. And it was the three types are money is bad, money is scarce, and money causes stress. And I think of those as kind of paradigm beliefs where underneath each of those, there's a lot of different beliefs going on. So an example of a money is bad belief would be this one hits creatives hard and definitely people who are really have a spiritual background or a religious background, it would be that belief that money is the root of all evil somewhere in them they have this where they go, it's not spiritual to make money doing what I love. I've been given these gifts. It's not spiritual to get really rich. What if I turn into a greedy jerk when I make a whole bunch of money? And so you have these unconscious sabotage avoidance strategies that when you start to make a certain amount of money, you sabotage it and get back to a certain money set point where you feel safe. Like, oh, I'm not going to become too rich. And then people won't think I'm a greedy jerk or I won't think I'm a greedy jerk. Money is scarce tends to show up as 
there will never be enough. So often money is scarce. People will make a lot of money, but then they're always pushing to the next level because they are afraid it's going to go away. Or it could be they work really hard and they go, oh, I can't have a good relationship and build my business because there's that scarcity of not enoughness. Imposter syndrome comes in here a lot too, where it's like, I'm not enough. What I have to offer isn't enough. And so there's a lot of over delivering and undercharging and the money is scarce money block. And then on money causes stress, this is a big one too for high achievers where they always set the bar really high and they work a lot because they have this underlying belief. It seems counterintuitive, but they have this underlying belief that money causes stress. And so they avoid looking at efficient and effective ways to make more money because they think that it takes hard work to make money. And so they hear a lot too. Yeah, Yeah, it's the hard work part. It's Mm -hmm. wild. And that's that thing. They go, well, geez, if I want to 10x my business, there's no way I can work 10 times as hard. And so they will limit their success. So there's a lot of fear of success in this one. And they'll limit that by not making too much money. And usually these are all rooted in what we got downloaded when we were kids, like into our brain, right? And we're just absorbent sponges. And so we start to develop these beliefs and no one ever told us not to believe that they're true because we kept seeing time and time again that they were true to us at that time in the way that we developed our beliefs. Wow, that's a great breakdown. And I can relate to all of them in some way at some point in my life, at least if not all at the same time, there was definitely moments like flashing through my brain going, Oh, I remember when I went through that. Or I remember when I thought that or I have a little of that going on or you know, it's like also human, I guess is what I'm trying to say. And it's also very nice to know that there's someone like you out there who's like, these are the things and (laughs) we can talk about them and get through them and you're not alone. I think the normalization is huge in this arena as well. What do you think? Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. You're not alone. It's rare to meet someone who takes the money blocks profile who doesn't go, oh, I've experienced all three of those. Every once in a while, someone doesn't feel like they resonate with the money is bad. But then I'll hear them say something. I'm like, oh, that's a money is bad block. Like, you know, (laughs) kind of criticizing someone who has a lot of money or saying like, oh, that guy's just a jerk. And it's because they have a lot of money, right? And it comes up in various ways. But yes, it's it's so common. Every human being has these. And so as I see it over and over again and have people go through the profile and they're like, oh my God, how did you nail it so well? <laughs> like, yep. And sometimes people take it and they're like, I don't know about it. And then we'll have a conversation and they're like, oh yeah, that's exactly what's going on. Yes. And because I did take the quiz, I, I was very curious and wanted to just learn a little more of your process before we jumped in today. And the questions are, there aren't that many. There's yeah. like basic, when I say basic, I just mean that they are simple. Yeah. Like they're not complicated paragraphs. There's one sentence, yes or no kind of stuff. Is it this or is it that? It's like, yeah, that, that's how it felt to me. Yeah. And then you get your breakdown. And the more I sat with it, like space from it, read it. And then, you know, you start to process the more I realized that I related to it more than I even thought I did when I was taking the quiz or when I read it initially. And the more I simmered on it, it really like stuck with me, if that makes sense. Like more stuff started to come up and I, I had like dreams about it all night. <laughs> like All these money anxieties came up and my mother was there. Like my wow. parents were there. It was like all of this stuff. It makes sense because you're right. It does start when we're kids. Yeah. So I guess my next question is, is it your parents, like your first influence? Is that really who's dictating your your first beliefs and blocks around this kind of thing? Yeah. And I always like to qualify here. This isn't about beating your parents up. <laughs> right. Because a lot of people go like, oh, wow, well, no wonder I'm this way. My parents made me this way. And I like to say it's about all of your surroundings when you were a kid. So it could be parents. It could be siblings. It could be grandparents or friends, preachers, teachers, even the movies. There's a lot of messages embedded in the movies that we learn when we're kids and throughout our whole life gets reinforced. So the reason that we go back to that route is because you're so impressionable at that age. And that's where we start to develop our subconscious belief system. And so that's why it goes back to the root there. It's not that you go like, Oh, great, it's my parents fault. And I'm never going to be able to fix this. And why did they teach me these things? They were doing the best they knew how to do at the time, or whoever the adults were in your life. And so this is always about curiosity and clarity and recognizing the box so that then you have the conscious access 
to be able to choose to change it and make that decision from a conscious place. I love the, my favorite quote by Carl Jung is that until you make the unconscious conscious, it will direct your life and you will call it fate. And my whole business is built from that place because that's really what's going on here. Most people don't even take the time to think about their relationship to money or what they believe about money. They just freak out about money. They feel the lack of money. They worry about money, but they never go, why do I believe the things I believe about money? And so that's what this whole process is about, bringing it to your conscious awareness. So then you have the power to choose what you want to do with those beliefs. Wow. Everyone has a relationship to money and everyone has some block around money. Do you think it's because all of us have a block? We've normalized that we're just going to be this way. This is our relationship. There's nothing to do about it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, in part, it's because we haven't taken the time to even see that it is a belief. We don't realize like, oh, that is my belief about it. And that's why I'm getting this outcome. We just take for granted. These are all the things I learned and I saw and I experienced. And this is just how it is. And, you know, I always ask people here, you go like, is there something in your life that when you were 10, you thought, that you don't believe at 20 or didn't believe at 30 or didn't believe at your current age. And they're like, yeah, of course. And it's like, well, why is that? Is that because the thing changed or because you changed? (laughs) And so our money reality, our money beliefs change over time based on more exposure. The thing that is hard about it is that when you have a, a limiting money belief through the law of attraction, you reinforce it. So your reality is based on what you believe and think and feel consciously and unconsciously. So this is really where competing commitments is so powerful because you might consciously think that you want to be financially empowered, but unconsciously you have a whole bunch of limiting beliefs around money. So you're attracting the proof of that in your surrounding because that's what you believe. So if you believe like there's never enough money, you're creating the reality that there's never enough money. So what will happen is like, oh, you'll get a whole bunch of money, but you have this underlying belief there's never enough money. So something will happen like an emergency, right? When you make more money, something bad will happen to then prove again to yourself, oh yeah, there's never enough money or there's always just enough money. Wow. So I have to ask, what are your thoughts on manifestation? love manifestation. <laughs> I mean, so do I, yes. but I, I yes. do want to put my layer on it. Totally. I'm curious yeah. what your thoughts are. My thoughts are that it is how the world works and we live by universal laws and you're manifesting whether you think you are or not. And so get empowered and choose what you want to manifest instead of having a whole bunch of chaos come your way because you're not conscious and deliberate about what you're creating. I mean, if in the simplest version, if you think of manifestation as this morning, I woke up and decided, oh, hey, I want a cup of tea and I went and made it. I manifested the this cup of tea. <laughs> and that's right. what we're doing at all points in time to get bigger and bigger things. It's the same exact thing. I made a decision, I took action and I made it happen, right? So people get stuck when they think it's just this big thing. It's not in my reality because they don't realize how easily accessible it is to them when they change from the inside out. And so, you know, manifestation is quantum physics. And I think of manifestation as just the word that gets used a lot for energetic alignment and frequency and the things that are now scientifically more provable. That's a great way to describe it. I like the practicality examples. And I like to think of it this way too, is like the things around you are things you brought into your life. Like all these books, like people were like, oh, you have a lot of books and a lot of people don't have that anymore. (laughs) But I like to have them. Me too, I love books. (laughs) You you have books in your background as well. Those of us who are just listening, we have bookshelves in our background here. And this is what I chose to surround myself with. And anytime we bring something into our lives, that's a form of manifestation. Yeah. Making tea that's going to be that simple, like what time you wake up and when you start your day and how much you do and all of these structures are part of our decision making and choices around how we live and want to experience our day, our lives, the people in it, all of that. And yeah, I think it can get the trendiness around manifesting. I like destigmatizing that because it is about choices and it is about awareness. So how does someone start that process? How do we become aware. I think having conversations like this and listening is helpful to start to hear about these things differently. So to me, this is part of an entry point, but what do you suggest? Like where are people at when they come to you and how did they have that light bulb go off that they needed to find some solutions around this? 
Yeah, because of manifestation, I always trust people come to me at the right exact moment, you know, at the right time. And it's because they're looking for an answer of how to get aligned to have more freedom in their life and more flow and feel good. My way that I structure my business is I want to help you work less, make more and have fun. And what that means is, you know, that work part, like stop efforting so hard and struggling and let's get you aligned so that it feels like play and that you're not stressed out about what you're doing in the world. And then you get to make more money. Money because that's a natural outcome of doing what you love. And then the have fun part is you're living in your zone of genius, doing what you enjoy, whether it's, you know, climbing the corporate ladder, getting a different job, doing a side hustle on top of your job or building a big successful business. Have fun doing it because we only get this one life, right? And so in terms of people coming to me, we I always take them through things like the money blocks profile first because we need to understand and just have that starting point. I have them rewrite their money story. So they go through the process of writing their money story and rewriting their money story. And then take them down the journey of developing. Really, I think of it as up-leveling themselves. It's really confidence development. When you have confidence, that's because you're living in your zone of genius. You're aligned, meaning your conscious and your unconscious are in sync and they're not battling against each other. So you have all the mental chatter go away. You have the fear and the doubt and the uncertainty and the procrastination and the limiting beliefs go away. And so they come to me and we have that process of refinement where then it's like, oh my God, I wake up and I feel good and my relationships are getting better and I'm making more money. I'm realigning and redesigning my business to do things in a way that I love instead of what everybody told me I should be doing. And so that's the starting point. And so for listeners, one thing to do is even just ask yourself, what do I believe about money? Like start asking yourself. And you can do this by writing down wealthy people are blank. Ooh, that's a good one. When you do that, you realize like, I've never thought of this before. You know, like I've never stopped to think or making money is blank. And what comes out of you, if you're honest with yourself and go like, making money is hard is usually the first one a lot of people say. (laughs) Making money is hard. Making money is scary. Making money is fun. It could be making money is easy. Who who knows what it is for you, but you want to start playing with that and going, what do I actually believe about money? So question all of your beliefs and start digging into knowing yourself. And that's one of the first ways you can just start to do some self-discovery around your money beliefs. Those are really great tools because they're simple and you can do them every day if you wanted to, because they're just yes. in the blank exercises. That's fantastic. I might do that later. So how do you help measure expectations? So I work in podcasting, as a lot of us know, and a lot of people want to know how to monetize and even before they start. So that's a valid question because they're approaching it from a business mindset, mm-hmm. but measuring expectations is the first thing I try to do because there's a lot of things that have to happen before you get there. Maybe. I think there's some belief system in that as well, where you can be creative and come up with solutions maybe sooner than the traditional things that are out there. All that said, how do you approach that type of conversation with someone who's like, well, I need to make this amount now? Like you were in a situation like that where you're like, I've got three kids. I'm in school. I need to figure this out as soon as possible. How do you help people through that part? So many things packed into that question. And and it's a good one. (laughs) I mean, it's a really good one because it is, I think, a very common thing that people struggle with in any area of life or business is managing expectations and thinking it should be easier than it is. While I can say that and simultaneously say you can make your life really easy. Right. <laughs> the thing is, it's a paradox because we make it harder by struggling against it and having those expectations. So part of manifestation, my, my three-step process to manifestation, very simple and straightforward. Know what you want, get really clear about what you want, take a step in the direction of what you want, and then trust the universe to take care of the house, which means let go of your expectations. And so that's a big one. And I can spend, I've done a two-day workshop just on those three things. <laughs> because the places wow. that people get stuck in the clarity of what they want, huge People don't know how to even ask for what they want because they've been conditioned over their whole life to have scarcity thinking and be scared to ask for what they want and they don't know themselves well. So they get really stuck there. And then the second one, taking action. If you don't know what you want, how are you going to take action in any direction? Or are you going to have shiny object syndrome and take 5,000 steps of action in 5,000 different directions and then it takes you way longer because you have scattered energy and scattered effects. And then in that third one of letting the universe take care of the house and bring the opportunities to you, when we set up expectations in a really boundaried, intense way, it's us being in hyper control and it actually makes the process 10 times harder. And so, you know, when people come to me with those, I got to get done now and I got to, it's got to happen fast. Like it's fear-based, right? We're only living in two states, fear 
or love, fear or inspiration, fear or joy, fear or gratitude. And if you're pushing and forcing, you're in a state of fear. And so when we have those intense expectations, it's a forcing energy and it repels things away from you. And so it makes it a lot harder. So I like to say that first with people. So they go, oh, okay, let's at least start at that place of energetic alignment and clarity around how I need to shift my mindset in this way. In the practical ways, when someone comes into a business venture or you know, a new project and they have an expectation, we can look at this as a vision-based goal or manifestation versus an expectation, which the word expectation in and of itself is interesting because in manifestation, they talk about the law of expectation, expect it to happen, which really mm-hmm. is about certainty. So knowing it will happen is different than saying it will happen this way at this time in the, in my exact plan. Knowing it will happen is, you know, when I started that trajectory, I said, okay, here's my goal. I want to go six figures in my first full-time year of business. But if it didn't happen and I got to 99,000, I wasn't going to be like, dang, you know, I didn't meet the expectation. Instead, it was like, and I just barely made it over. You know, it was like 103,000 and change, you know, and it was like, awesome. I became a different person on that journey. And now I always have those tools to manifest money and create money in my business. And so expectation, you know, you want to set your vision, but let go of your expectations of the timeline, because how do you know whether or not the universe has something even faster and better for you? Right. And I've experienced that for sure. So just to clarify, I use the word boundaries a lot and I think boundaries are important. So when you say boundaries, you're speaking about the how, like trying to control all of the how Yes. Happen. Is yeah. That right? Yeah. Okay. I only say that because I use that word so much. Yeah. Ba- boundaries are incredibly important, especially when you're thinking about like interpersonal dynamics and things like that. And it's, you're right. Boundaries, not a great word to use there. It's more hyper control of the details. Thank you for clarifying that along with me. I do think it's important because words have energy yes. and we attach things to them. As soon as we hear them, we stop hearing the rest. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I like to clarify, but that was a wonderful wonderful explanation of those two parts, kind of like this part of the process and this part of the process of how we can approach things. And so everyone who's listening, who has an interest in podcasting, (laughs) know that it's all about intention and getting clear and alignment and all of that. I I work in that way. And sometimes that's not really what people want to hear. They want to hear that there's that shiny thing at the end of the three months or whatever it is that they've created in their mind. But all of that is possible and it will come. It's just a matter of yeah. trust. The trust factor is so important. Trusting, finding space to trust that we will get to our goals, get to our, you know, what the reason we started, you know, kind yeah. of thing, like getting to that point. That's where I find the confidence that you speak about is really, really, really pivotal. Yeah. You know, I got to say this here because it's so important about podcasting. It's like, have fun. When I started my podcast, I started my podcast because I was inspired to help people because podcasts had changed my life. And so I didn't have an expectation of it other than I'm going to create a podcast and it will grow over time and I'm going to love and enjoy every minute of it because I love podcasting. And when you do something from that energy, it's going to be successful much more quickly than when you do it from a place of like, I've got to make a certain amount of money from this thing. And if it doesn't, I'm going to be miserable because I'm... And that's why I think sometimes when we set goals with the timeline, it's actually a very negative thing. So I always talk to people about setting manifestation-based goals because what you're doing actually is setting a measure to beat yourself up with. And that's what most people do. Yeah. Oh, setting a measure to beat yourself up with. I feel that one because I think we've all done that at some point. (laughs) <laughs> yes. If not do that, you know, <laughs> on occasion in our lives. Yes, definitely. Wow. Okay. That was all super, super insightful so far. I mean, I could talk about this forever. What inspires you to do this type of work? Because you mentioned that coaching inspired you and I know you were struggling with this at the time. Like, what's it like now? Because you've been doing this work for a while now. Has inspiration grown through your experience now that you've evolved through it? Yeah, you know, I'd say it changes some. Like, I love to learn new things, which is part of the reason I love being an entrepreneur because there's always, always an opportunity to learn something new and experience something new. And so my business has definitely evolved and had ebbs and flows and who I work with and how I do it. And the core tenant has always been the same of like, I want to help people empower themselves and feel good. And so the money piece, you know, part of that was through research of asking my people, what do you most want? And they're like, we want to make more money in our business. And so this money carries so much energy. And, you know, like we said at the beginning, like there's a lot of shame and fear and doubt and uncertainty and guilt. And that's a really low vibrational frequency. And then it makes everything in your life really hard. And so, you know, I'd say that inspirational piece is like when I see somebody 
break through and get paid well to do what they enjoy. And they're up leveling their, really their joy and their love for themselves and their joy about what they get to do in the world. There's really nothing better than that. And the amount of money for everyone is totally different. You know, some people want to make a $50,000 a year income and some people a hundred and some people seven figures. And, and that's up to you. It's really what it's about is the ability to wake up in the morning and feel good. And go like, how long do I want to stay in my pajamas today? How many hours do I want to read a book this morning? Who am I going to help? Ooh, what do I get to create in my business today or in my life? And and just play with it. You know, so it's like that. I love that you asked this question. I've actually been thinking about it a lot the last few days as I'm going like, you know, what is the core behind NFA money? It is playfulness. It's like, we don't have to be so intensely driven in that expectation piece where we miss the journey along the way. And so I love to teach people how to enjoy the journey and enjoy the money-making game instead of have it be this thing where they beat themselves up and they feel terror and fear and confined. Mm. I was going to point it out, if you didn't, that it's the energy I was getting is the playfulness at the core of how you work with people and how you do this work in general. Is that what it is for you? Does it feel like a playful, joyful space in your own business? It does. And it hasn't always. <laughs> so I'll say this year in particular, so that first year, I didn't know about all of these things yet. You know, So it was like mm-hmm. I was just in the beginning of my journey. I pushed hard. And I was used to that because I was in grad school with three kids. Like I had 18 hour days all the time, never took weekends off, you know, so it's like I was conditioned to be a pushing hard entrepreneur. (laughs) And so, you know, in some ways, that was a gift because it got me to the six figures through pushing and learning a lot. And every year since then, you know, 2021 has been my year of going, my mantra I have right on my board right next to me is work less, make more, have fun. And how can I create my life to live 100% in my zone of genius? And so everything I do in my business now, if I start, I'm not superhuman. Like, I don't want anyone here to think like, oh, Amanda just wakes up in the morning. Everything's great every single day. I'm human. I have struggles. I don't always have the answers. The thing that's different about it now is that I've, once I notice that, I get really quick at noticing it. So everyone here would notice when you don't feel good because that's feedback for you that you're out of yeah. alignment. And so when I wake up and I start, if I feel tired or I feel like resentful of something or I feel like, oh, I don't really want to do this today, I assess and I go, do I need to drop, automate or delegate? Because if I'm not in a state of joy, what's the point of doing it? I mean, really, Mm. we get to design our lives to be joyful. So that's how I refine everything in that direction. So I'm not in that state 100% of the time. And I notice really quickly when I'm not so that I can get back into that place. So it was drop, automate or delegate. Yes. And drop means don't do it. Like it's not worth it. Exactly. Like we take on so many things that are just pointless, really pointless. I want to say BS, like time suckers. And your time is like your most valuable commodity. And so if you're doing things you don't enjoy doing and it's not even essential, don't do it. Drop it. Some things are and you go like, I don't enjoy this, but you can delegate it or you can create a better system around it so it's automated. And so you want to identify the things that are either drop, automate or delegate. So if it's not bringing you a lot of joy, you want to drop, automate or delegate as fast as possible. That is super key advice. That's something someone can take with them and apply it to everything. Yes. I love that. Yeah. Business, no business. You can do that in your life. I think that's wonderful, wonderful tool to have. So I'm glad you shared that. I think at this point, I just want to ask you if there was one thing from this conversation you want to make sure someone understands, what would that be? I want people to know that your outer world is an expression of your inner world. So if you don't like what you're getting on the outside, you've got to change what's within. And this is where all transformation takes place. And it's where all of your power lies. And what you focus on is what expands in your world. So if you're focusing on fear and lack and doubt and inner critic beat up, you're going to create more and more and more of that. Just take a step right now. By listening to this, you're doing it. (laughs) Take a step and every day, take a step to master yourself because then you really will feel like you have a magic wand to create whatever you want and the sky's the limit. We really are an infinitely powerful being with limitless potential. When you really dive into this type of work and you know that, everything gets easier and more fun. And who doesn't want more ease and more fun in their life? Yes. (laughs) It's just a breath of fresh air to even think about. Yes. Thank you for that. And I know as like a a lifelong work your butt off, work hard person. (laughs) I'm the same way. So I relate to your story quite a bit and how you handled your first year. My first couple of years were very, 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 very similar to that. Yeah. (laughs) And I'm trying to drop into that formula you just described, the drop, 
yep. automate, delegate. Yep. It's like the mantra I live by currently as well. So, and it truly does transform if you can apply it. Yes. It's huge. Yeah. So how can we connect with you? All things NFA money. So if they go to nfamoney.com, I have my money blocks profile, which if they want to just go straight to that, it's moneyblockspropile.com. But on my website, I've got my money blocks profile. I've got my YouTube channel, which is NFA money. And then there's opportunity to rewrite your money story. So I made this a super low cost course because I had so many people asking me like, how do you do this? And I was only doing it as one-on-one clients at the time. So it's an online course. It's 97 bucks. It's easy to access. It's lifetime access and you can dig into it as deeply as you want and it is incredibly transformational and then my boot camp so everything's on nfamoney.com amazing thank you and before we close i have to ask you about the name <laughs> like how'd you come up with the name no fucking around money and what does it mean to you yeah so it's actually a really great story when i was in high school i was on the swim team so i had to quit my volleyball team because i started swimming around and so the rec center had a volleyball league but it was an adults volleyball league and the rules were that it needed one adult so i was like dad you be the adult i'll get all my kids my friends together who are kids and just like warrior athletes and we'll win the tournament he's like okay so we did it i named us team nfa because you know you can't swear on the roster at the rec center (laughs) and of course we won and then every athletic event I did after that I named my team's team NFA and then one day I was coaching and this guy my client said you know you're like my tough love dad but you've got this really soft and sensitive side and it really works for me and I said well I'm not fucking around about your results I really care about you and it just came out of my mouth and then I was sharing that story at a chamber of commerce networking event and they were like love it I love that and so I put it in my Instagram bio it was NFA coaching at the time. I just put NFA coaching. I went from food stamps to six figures. I can help you transform or something like that. And the woman contacted me. She's like, that is an incredible bio. I want to interview you over for my podcast. And it was the first podcast I'd ever gotten on. We were having this conversation. She's like, and she was a brander. And she's like, you need a brand that that is awesome. You know, the NFA. And I literally stayed up all night. I couldn't sleep because I was like, am I really going to name my company with a swear word? <laughs> like, yikes, right. that would be bold. And I stayed up all night and I couldn't drop it. I'm like, I'm doing it. And I just got up the next day and I just started rebranding everything. And I was like, yeah, it's been a fun brand. That's a great story. I can see where it's so you and it is bold. Yeah. But that's a good thing. It's, you know, it helps us find our aligned people, I think, when we are boldly doing what makes sense to us. Totally. You know, and it's the people that re- I every once in a while I get a little hate message and I and I just say something nice and I say, Oh yeah, it's not for everyone. I hope you have a beautiful day. No. <laughs> it's like and to me I go like awesome. That really clarified that we wouldn't jive well together. You know, if you don't have it because to me it's a playful name and it's a serious name at the same time. It's like I am NFA about your results, about your joy, about your money, about you feeling good in your life, about your radical responsibility mentality of like I'm the creator of my reality. Like I you know, people who know me well know I'm NFA. <laughs> yeah. I love that there's so much care baked into that for you. That's that's actually really cool. Thank you. (laughs) Thanks for sharing that. And thank you for being here and dropping all the knowledge and all the clarification you did for us today. I think it's super valuable. You are so welcome. Thanks for having me. It's been fun. Thank you for listening to Beeple Begin. We hope that these episodes inspire and empower you to take your next steps in your own intuitive journey towards a life or business that feels clear, authentic, and aligned. And if you're ready for more tools and guidance like courses and free events, then I'd love to invite you to my new Intuitive Creators Academy and Collective. It's free to join. Just follow the link in the show notes and remember to DM me once you get there to receive a special gift for being a listener of People Begin. I'll look forward to seeing you there.